listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. I love the summer. Don't you love summer? Maybe it's because I've been, you know, teaching school all these years, but summer is such a different rhythm for me. Um, I know not everyone has that privilege to kind of have that different change of schedule, but um, I guess that's why I'm still such a kid, right? I've been on the school schedule all my life. Um, In fact, I never think of years really in terms of the calendar year. I always think of it in terms of the school year. So I guess since I was five years old, right? I started kindergarten. Believe it or not, I was the first year of public kindergarten in the state of Virginia. Uh, Before me, kindergarten was only privately offered. It wasn't offered publicly. It says something either about my age or about the state of public education in Virginia. I'm not sure. (laughs) But yeah, all my life, I kind of go on a school year, more so than a calendar year. And we talk a lot about the calendar around here because the calendar really does kind of shape us. And so we've titled our summer series, The New Ordinary. And it's a play off of an understanding in the church calendar called Ordinary Time, which actually takes up more than half the year. Think about that. More than half the year is just ordinary time. It's not a holiday. It's not a time to feast. It's not a time to fast. It's just a a time to be ourselves. It's a time to be with God. So just to rehearse a little bit, we know that the church calendar begins with Advent, those four weeks that anticipate the birth of Christ. We celebrate joy and peace and love and hope, and we look forward to the coming of Christ, which of course, Christ has already come in our lives, right? The baby has already been born, but we celebrate the birth of the baby. And then we get into Christmas time. And Christmas time, uh, you know, Christmas is celebrated in our culture, but not the same way that we celebrate it in Christianity. And not just because it's been overly commercialized, but literally in the practice of how it's celebrated. Because the way the culture celebrates Christmas, it culminates in Christmas Day, and Christmas Day is kind of the last day. It's over at that point. But in the church calendar, we're celebrating Advent. We're anticipating it up until the time of Christmas Day. And then Christmas Day begins the Christmas season. Not, it doesn't end it, right? The 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas Day. And then the 12 days follow after that up until January the 5th. And I'm one of those people that always likes to kind of celebrate holidays. I grew up in a home where it wasn't just your birthday. It was kind of your birthday week. You know, sometimes it was your birthday month. I've heard uh, Lexus Willis say, uh, and it's, it's your birthday until your birthday money runs out. <laughs> right? So if you get money for your birthday, it's still your birthday if you're spending it, right? Whatever that is. Like, that's a philosophy of life I can get behind. I love that, right? So the idea that Christmas uh, doesn't end on Christmas Day, but actually begins on Christmas Day, and there's a lot to celebrate. I love celebrations. I was just at a wedding uh, yesterday, and I don't know if you like to go to weddings or not. I love to go to weddings. I love the ceremony. I love the dress. I love, I love the tuxedos or the suits. You know, I love the flowers. I love the food. I love the dancing. I mean, I, I'm just kind of made for weddings. It's just a happy time. You know, 
I mean, sometimes it can be a little tense, you know, the different families and, you know, depending on the, the wedding director or, you know, I've heard of like, you know, worst case scenarios perhaps, but generally, right? The one yesterday was delightful. And so Christmas time leads into Epiphany, and Epiphany is another time of celebration. We're celebrating the revelation, the Epiphany, that we find out really who God is, that our God is none other than Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the truest and fullest revelation of who God is. We celebrate this at his baptism, right, where it's announced that he's the Son of God, and we celebrate it through to the time of the transfiguration, where we hear again the voice from the cloud, this is my Son, listen to him. And, and the epiphany is that our God is not aloof, our God is not far away, I'll date myself a bit here too, uh, with all due respect to Bette Midler, you know, God is not watching us from a distance, right? There's like three of you that knew that song. <laughs> Going to have to come up with a new analogy. But yeah, God is not watching us from a distance. God is near. God is close. God cares. God, God wants to be with us. God is showing us how to be. He's, he's shaping us. And that epiphany season kind of ends in a huge celebration now, granted, our culture has kind of taken that celebration and gone a different direction with it, but Epiphany begins on Ash Wednesday, and it ends on Mardi Gras. Yeah, believe it or not, that actually is a Christian holiday. Now, I know a lot of people don't always celebrate it like a Christian holiday, <laughs> but it is one. It's supposed to end that season, um, uh, that season of Epiphany, because the next season is the season of Lent. So you kind of, you celebrate and you, you eat a lot. That's one another thing, what, put a sidebar here. Another thing that I really like about all these holidays is you're always eating. Yeah, right? You know, when you grow up Pentecostal, everything's wrong. Like, everything's a sin. <laughs> and so, the one thing you're allowed to do is eat. <laughs> so we ate at every church function. Like, it didn't matter. Like, oh, is it time to go to church? I guess we're going to get something to eat. <laughs> If it was a Tuesday night, was it a Wednesday night, was it a weekend, was it a Sunday, was it after church, was it the homecoming, was it the picnic? We were always, always kind of eating, and I love that. I, loved, I love to eat. I don't just love to eat because, you know, obviously I'm a big guy and, and I eat a lot, but it's, it's fun to eat with people. It's fun to celebrate. Like, when we're eating, like th that kind of eating, <clears throat> we're not eating simply to sustain ourselves. We're eating to celebrate. Right? We're celebrating something. We're celebrating the goodness of God, the goodness of God's creation, the goodness that we get to experience in this creation of our lives together, that life is good, and it's good to be with you, and it's fun. And so all of that, ooh, Mardi Gras. Then again, then we hit Lent, and Lent's the first time we get like a little bit more darker. Um, Lent is a time of fasting. It opens up with Ash Wednesday, and if we, if we practice that, you know, a minister takes some ash and imposes it, we call it the imposition of ashes. That, that alone should tell you that this is a little darker. They, they impose the ash on your forehead in the shape of a cross. And they say, from dust you, shall come, you have come, and to dust you shall return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Woo. Right, we can, we can bless the Lord, but I am finite. I am mortal. I won't be here forever. I saw this, this thing in social media recently, and it was a, it was a huge chart, and all it was was, was um, little squares, just row after row after row. They're in columns and just, you know, square, 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 square. And it said, 
this kind of represents, each square represents a week in your life. And so if you kind of, you know, fill it out, you know, 52 weeks each year, um, it, it's amazing um, how few squares are actually in your life. And it's, they, they call it um, a remedy or an antidote to procrastination. <laughs> that if you look at your life and you see, wow, man, a third of it or a half of it's already filled out, I'm not going to waste a week because life is a gift and, and I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to milk it for what it's worth. I'm going to, I'm going to live it to its fullest capacity. So Lent is that time, though, that we do fast because not every holiday is about feasting. There are some holidays, at least some Christian holidays, that are also about fasting, about kind of telling our bodies that they need to, to take a breath and, and not necessarily drive us and that there is, something, there is something more, there's something other, right, that we can kind of commemorate the time that Jesus was in the wilderness, the time that he kind of denied his body food, and that that, that sense of lack, that experience of, of the desert or of the wilderness prepares us to celebrate um, Easter, which is the next season. Like, we all know that. Um, uh, something I've heard Mikkel say before, he says, uh, nothing is a better spice on food than hunger. <laughs> like, hunger is the best spice. Like, we all know that. Like, things taste better when we're hungry. Like, even good food, you know, we're not overwhelmed with if we eat it when we're full or if we try to eat it when we're full. But man, when we're hungry, man, it's the best meal I've ever had. And that's kind of what Lent is doing for us, right? The, 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 the lack of Lent is making us hungry for the fullness of God. We had a prayer school yesterday that Mikkel ran for us, and, and he reminded me or remi reminded us that in the traditional uh, liturgy that churches would stop using the word hallelujah during Lent, and that Lent was just long enough that you had gone a while without saying that, right? Because you're, you're, not, a, you're not celebrating, you know, the birth of the baby or the expectation of the baby or you know, the baptism of Jesus, this kind of revelation of who God is, you're celebrating something different. And if you wait for a while before you say it, it's just long enough that come Easter Sunday, when you say Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, hallelujah, it's, it hits different, right? It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's, this, that's worthy of our praise. That's worthy of our attention. That's worthy of our devotion. And so, again, it's interesting because Easter, in a way, is celebrated in our culture, right? It, in, a, in a commercial way. Like the little peeps kind of go on sale, and the little bunnies, and, and not, they're not just little uh, chicks, right? They come out with the bunny form, and uh, Reese's Pieces comes out in pastel colors, um, and the, the Reese's Cups come in the shape of an egg instead of just like a little patty, I don't know what their typical form is. What are you supposed to call that little circular one, right? A peanut butter cup. Thanks. All right. So not just a peanut butter cup, but it comes out in the shape of an egg. But again, the, the way the world is celebrating Easter, Easter ends on Easter Sunday. But we've been celebrating Lent. When we hit Easter Sunday, that's not the end. That's the beginning. 
It's the beginning of Eastertide, and it's a long season, and we celebrate it, and we, we live it up big because that's the time of the resurrection. That's the time that any, any hope that's been deferred, any, any loss that's been experienced, we get this sense that the, it's not over, right? There, there's more to come, and that's a beautiful, beautiful season. It culminates in what was last Sunday, which is Pentecost Sunday. So Easter, the Easter season runs from Easter Sunday through Pentecost. And on Pentecost, we celebrate the giving of the Spirit. So the day of Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. And I guess it, it still is a Jewish holiday. But on a particular day of Pentecost, the first day of Pentecost that came after the resurrection of Jesus, it became, for Christians, a Christian holiday. And we celebrate the outpouring of the Spirit. And with the outpouring of the Spirit, we enter into what we're calling here a new ordinary. It's called in the church calendar ordinary time. And it runs from the day after the, the Monday, after the day of Pentecost, it's always on a Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, that Monday, and it will run the rest of the year. And, and when it's over, the new year will start with Advent again. So it's, not, it's more than half the year. More than half the year, we're not having a holiday. We're not having a feast. We're not having a fast. There's, there's no, there's no you know, major calendar event. It's just ordinary. It's regular. It's life. There's something that, well, lots of things actually, that I really love about this. I really love about it. Here's one thing. Um, most of my life is not the best day of my life. I mean, obviously, logically, that's not possible for every day to be the best day. Um, but it's not always a mountaintop. There's some. And it's also not also kind of the, the valley low. I mean, I've had some tough times in my life. I've experienced loss and, you know, some trauma. But not every day is in the valley. And not every day is my birthday, right? Not every day is, is a feast day. But somewhere in between those two extremes, I've, I've been living my life. And it's in that, it's, we might call it mundane or the regular or the ordinary, but it's in that that I think it's most important that we find God. Because God is there. God's not just there when someone gets healed or when someone gets saved or when someone gets delivered. And our, God's not just there, or we might feel his absence when, when things don't work out, when someone's not healed, when they, when they don't get saved, when they don't get delivered, right? When, when the situation doesn't work out the way we had hoped. God is there all the time. And in our ordinary, we need to learn to find God. Because God is there. And that's, that's the truth. So <clears throat> the old preachers used to try and help us. They would say, we don't just worship God on Sunday. We also worship God on Monday, right? And, but there seemed to be a gap between our Sundays and our worship and our gatherings and the rest of the week. Like, how does my life look any different than anybody else who kind of lives in my zip code, right? Like, is my, how is my life different? I mean, we drive basically the same cars. We live in basically the same houses. We go on basically the same vacations. 
What, what makes my life a Christian life? How does, how does God make a difference? Is it just the fact that I don't cheat on my uh, spouse and I don't cheat on my taxes? Seems to me that, that anybody might choose not to do that. They might be Jewish or Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu or even non-religious and, and still, you know, not cheat on their spouse and not cheat on their taxes. Like, there's got to be something more. And that something more is so much more. It is our lives. And this is what we want to look at this summer. That ordinary time is life after Pentecost. Ordinary time is life after the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. Ordinary time represents a revolution. That God's Spirit has been poured out on all flesh and now everything has changed. Like, we're going to have to treat each other differently. We're going to have to see each other differently. We're going to have to talk about each other differently. We're going to have to look at ourselves and at our lives and realize that it's full of the presence of God. That now that God's Spirit has been poured out, the old ordinary has been and gone, and now we have a new ordinary. But the new ordinary is a blessing. The new ordinary is the gift of life. The new ordinary is God's, our life with God, our life in God. And so we're going to talk about this over, over the next couple of months. The text today uh, comes from Genesis. And thank you, Justin. That was a long text reading. You're like, man, there were, there were a lot of verses in that one. But we told, we heard this morning the whole creation story. And why? Why would the folks who kind of devised the lectionary, why would they choose a creation story on this Sunday, the Sunday after Pentecost? Because we serve the God of creation. We serve the God of beauty, right? God is true, and God is good, but God is also beautiful. And we believe that all truth is God's truth, and all goodness is God's goodness, but all beauty is God's beauty. The word that gets translated when it says, you know, each time, each day it said, God created something, he said, that, that was good. Well, the word that was used to translate that word for good from the Hebrew and the Greek, when it got translated into Greek, could, could be translated good, but it also, and more typically, is translated beautiful. And I love the thought of that. That God created and said, man, this is beautiful. And God created something else and he said, wow, this is beautiful. And God created something else and he said, this is beautiful. The sky is beautiful. The water is beautiful. The land is beautiful. The sun, the moon, the stars are beautiful. The fish are beautiful. The birds are beautiful. The animals are beautiful. The people are beautiful. It's just beautiful stuff. Frederick Buechner, uh, one of my favorite writers wrote this little book called The Remarkable Ordinary. I almost titled the series that. <laughs> we went with New Ordinary, but we could have called it Remarkable Ordinary because the New Ordinary is that. It is remarkable. In some ways, it's not so ordinary because the, the New Ordinary is so remarkable because it opens our eyes to see the world and to see one another. I mean, this is what artists do. Whether they're musicians or whether they're sculptors or whether they're painters, 
they frame reality for us. And, and once you put it in a frame, it can draw and gather and hold your attention. And that's what we need. Because we're kind of distracted by the cares of life. And that's what prevents us from seeing the beauty, the goodness of life. Like, if you go to the grocery store, or if you go to the mall, right, if you're in some kind of crowded places, if you're traveling and you're in an airport or on an airplane or wherever it might be, right, it's, we're so overwhelmed because there's so many people, right? We can't actually look at each person. But we really are missing out, right? We could be in a crowded restaurant and we're just seeing the person, hopefully we're seeing them, the person that we're with or the group that we're with. Sometimes we don't even see them because we're so distracted by our lives or by our devices. But what God is doing is like, <clears throat> if we think of a beautiful, Bigner kind of suggests this, if we think of a beautiful picture of, of Rembrandt, not, or by Rembrandt, right? And it's a re- relatively ordinary woman. Except once Rembrandt has painted her portrait, it's, again, drawn our attention there. And, and we see the value of, of the person. And if we had the capacity to do so, we would actually look at everyone. And, I, and I'm going to challenge you. I want us to try to put this into practice this summer. Like, when you go to the grocery store, imagining that you all do it sometime, actually look at the cashier. Notice them. Notice their name. Notice their face. Take note that that is someone's, you know, sister or brother or child or parent. Or they, they mean something to someone. They have been created in God's image. Our Lord and Savior died for their salvation. They are God's people. We mentioned this yesterday in our uh, prayer school One of the important reasons to kind of pray for our enemies is it's very difficult to hate or to be at odds with someone you're regularly praying for. It kind of tears these walls down, these artificial things that we've kind of built up. Because in the new ordinary, we have this opportunity to live out our uh, divine image that we've been created in. So one of the things that we're told in that first Genesis story is that humanity has been created in the image and the likeness of God. And what does that mean? I mean, people debate. I mean, it's a great kind of theological question. Some people want to make it something, have to do something with rationality as though, you know, humans can kind of think better than all all the other parts of the animal kingdom and that, that our ability to kind of do that is what makes us in the image of God. But the problem with that is, is that we have all sorts of folks kind of in our community that don't always have that capacity. Whether they're children and they haven't developed it yet, or whether, or whether they have some kind of, kind of unique or special ability that, that is preventing it from happening. And if our definition of the image of God excludes a whole swath of the population, then it's not a very good definition. Because the image of God has to be something that we all share. Because we are all created in God's image. 
So it can't look just male and it can't look just female and it can't look like just one race or ethnicity and it can't look like a nationality and it can't look like just experiences that we've had and it can't look like just some capacity that we have. It has to be something more innate to who we are, something that we all share. And I think something that we do all share is this, this fact that we all have a soul, that we all have an innate value because we are God's. If, if we are created by God, then we belong to God. Like if I make something, then it's mine. I made it. It's not yours, right? If I, like, grow a plant um, in the yard, you shouldn't come over and cut it down. You shouldn't go around into other people's yards cutting down their plants. That's wrong. <laughs> you already know that, right? Because it belongs to them. But who do we belong to? Who made us? Well, God made us, so therefore we must be God's. So think about that when we think of the other, when we think of different people, when maybe we're graced just enough by the Spirit to actually look at the face of a stranger and see them for who they are. God's creation, a bearer of God's image and God's likeness. That is beautiful. And we are then called to, to take it another step further, to kind of engage in God-likeness. And part of what God-likeness means, I think, is to create, is to construct, is to make things. And I don't, I don't just mean like, like manufacturing, although I do believe that, right? I believe that it's not coincidental that Jesus grew up in the home of a construction worker. Because people in construction are making things. So he spent all his childhood learning how to make things. How much is that like his father? That is not just like Joseph, but like his heavenly father. And so the work that we do is blessed, right? And it, it goes anyway, a public school teacher, a firefighter, uh, a licensed mental health counselor, someone look, working in the medical field or insurance or uh, auto mechanics, right? Farming, you, know, you name it. Our work is work with God's good creation. And it is blessed. And we make things, beautiful things, statues that stand for things like inclusion and freedom, lofty goals, of ways of, of living, of ways of expressing our God uh, likeness and our divine image in which we are created. This, this is our new ordinary. So here's another assignment. The first one was try your best this week, next week, the week after, not to just get past everything. Like in the opening um, little bumper, the little video that you watched, uh, uh, we saw kind of lots of different things. At the, at the end, we saw Kevin kind of going by on the skateboard. So if you're skateboarding, skateboard. If you're, doing, if you're doing the laundry, do the laundry. If you're washing the dishes, wash the dishes. 
Don't, don't try and do multiple things at the same time. Live in the moment. Like, em, embrace that. Um, I, I believe that God is going to grace us in ways this summer that really uh, enable us to embrace, embrace this and to embody it, to practice it. Look at the face of people. Appreciate it. Imagine, again, you're in the line at, at the grocery store. And imagine that that person who's checking you out or who's bagging your groceries was the subject of a Rembrandt painting. Like if Rembrandt, if Rembrandt had painted a portrait of that person and it had been framed, it would be worth millions of dollars. And that goes for every single person that you see. Had, had Rembrandt painted a portrait of that person, that portrait would have been worth millions of dollars. Think of that. And it goes for all of you too. All of the diversity, all the goodness and truth, but also all the beauty is God's. And it's good. It's good for us. And I think it should give us some life. It should give us some hope. It should give us some expectation that the new ordinary is, is going to be better than what we've experienced in the past. That the Spirit, having been poured out on all flesh, is going to make a difference. That we live now in this post-Pentecostal or this after the day of Pentecost time. And that's the time that we're in. It is the, it is the time of the Spirit. It is, it is the life of the Spirit, the walking in the Spirit. It's ordinary, but it's the new ordinary, which is now remarkable, extraordinary. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.